right number 48. The number doesn't really matter at this point, but uh, welcome to the show. But before we start, I want to plug our sponsor, our main sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. And, of course, there's other TCGs on the website. And we are well, live for First Strike number. For this episode, we've got a very number special guest besides the usual. We've got Ron McFarty, Vince Agostino. We've got my man, Face-to-Face Games Toronto co-owner, Kelly Ackerman. How's it going, Kelly? We're doing great. It's a blast. Uh, it's a beautiful evening in Toronto. Got to bring you on here because we've got to hype up Canadian Nationals. That's coming up this weekend, October 13 to 15. Starts Friday. Uh, events are going to be firing already. And if you don't know anything about the event, for some reason, be sure to check out mtgnationals.ca. And uh, all the information is there, not only about the main event, but all the different side events as well, as well as where and how to get to the venue and, and different accommodation options. Uh, Kelly, how excited are you a week away? Man, I'm like halfway between super excited and freaking out uh it's this is definitely the largest event i've been the orchestrator of for sure and it's uh it's it's really exciting there's there's so much going on start to finish all weekend long it's, it's gonna be a blast so yeah i'm stoked, stoked. Is, is it more stressful than than the gps when we had to work out <laughs> the last two years i, I mean so the GPs are the GPs, right? Like anytime you've got a Grand Prix, Wizards puts a ton of energy into like supporting that and hyping that up and making that really, really well known and exciting. Nationals is like a whole different level. Uh, it hasn't happened since 2011. Uh, so it's really uncharted territory. Everyone knows what to expect for a GP, but nobody knows what to expect for Nationals. So we're really hoping that people come out in droves, support the event, and support for the return of national because wizards is definitely sort of focused on this as like is this event worth running should we do it again and so so big support from the community is really what they're looking for yeah yeah like face-to-face games was chosen to to be the first like you said magic the Gathering canadian nationals in six years um they big face-to-face games toronto to run it so uh one quick thing like I realized the one thing I learned through uh, organizing the the GPs with you is, uh, I didn't know this before, is the large amount of people that don't know that they can just enter the venue for free. I think that might be uh, the most frequently asked question for me. Yeah, for sure. People can just show up. You can just like come hang out and, and participate. There's side events. There's a prize wall. We've got cosplayers and artists coming. There's like tons of stuff to do, even if you're not qualified for nationals. And that's that's the really important part is that everyone should just come and have fun and hang out. Right. Um, Rob, Rob, are you are you heading down to nationals? Uh, I don't think I can make it. What? <laughs> it's, gonna be it's gonna be so sweet. Yeah, I'm not coming. <laughs> Yeah, of course I'm going. It's like uh, half an hour from my house, so yeah, I'm 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 stoked. It'll be a nice quick drive as well. Uh, so that'll be nice yeah. change. This is like basically a GP, right? The way that they have it set up now. So it's going to be a good time regardless, win or lose. Um, exactly. Should have fun. For those for those who don't know, the format of the event is much more like a Grand Prix. Like last year, we had the WMCQs and stuff like that. That's just like a big 
dumb modern tournament. The Nationals format is a lot more exciting. We've got four rounds of standard. Then we play a draft. Then that's it for day one. At the end of day one, seven rounds, we take a break. We come back the next day, we draft again. Then we play two more rounds of standard and then the top eight. So it's really a 12-round event, which is really, really exciting, um, plus the top eight. So 15 rounds total, it's, it's going to be sweet. So there's six rounds of drafts, six rounds of standard. Yeah, actually more. I, I thought it was. I thought it was another four or five rounds of standard in, in day two. So yeah, this is good. I might actually have a shot of doing something reasonable then. <laughs> Are you really good at draft and hating your life in standard? I'm just much better at draft than I am at standard. Yeah. This this draft format is amazing. I love this draft format so much. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I torturously slug through events just to make sure my skills are sharp. <laughs> so let's just get right down to um, an article on Daily MTG called Raising a New Banner. Uh, Vince brought it to our attention in our first strike staffed secret, ultra secret Facebook group. And uh, basically, Magic has, has revealed a, a new. Um, logo, and if you haven't checked it out, go to dailymtg.com and uh, look at it. And it basically said that uh, a banner was needed that could fly proudly over all of Magic's worlds and themes in the tabletop card game, as well as in digital games, apps, narrative entertainment, fashion and lifestyle products, animated and live action entertainment, and anything else that the future could hold. This will require a bolder step towards. Uh, bolder step forward than another refresh of the original logo and uh, with one eye on the original and the other on the future we took that step and i can see where they're coming from uh looking in the article they show how the logo has evolved since 1993 and of course if you use the very original logo for for some of let's say new digital game it doesn't look as nice as crisp as modern um what's your early reaction uh, to the new logo Vince? I hate that I'm always, like, downer on a lot of the things that Quadsy does, but this just feels like a, a, a huge goof. Like, I'm not I'm not feeling this logo at all for a lot of reasons. I think, first of all, within about an hour of this article being released, I saw, I think, maybe 10 or 15 mock-ups on Twitter that were already using just the original source material that already just looked better from, like, a typography perspective like the the font made sense like where it was located made sense and that's already a bad sign for a logo design um barring that there's a, hot, a bunch of weird like details like i like the planeswalker logo i think that's a cool feature that they should probably start integrating into more magic related products but why add a weird lens flare on it it just makes it look tacky and dumb um i also don't like that this is becoming what it seems like based on the article, like their primary branding logo. Um, I think Magic has earned the right to say that it's a pretty iconic brand in this sort of segment of the community, if you want to call it, you know, in, in trading card games and playable collectible card games, you know, in, even in, if you want to call it esports, like there's, people know Magic, right? 
Um, and part of that comes with the, the brand and the logo, right? That That's a logo that's existed for more than 20 years. I mean, they've changed kind of the colors, they've changed small details to it, but they have not done what they're doing right now. Um, I get the idea that you want a logo that sort of looks more refreshed for this digital era, but you don't have to do that and completely sacrifice the old logo that existed before, the one that's on the back of all Magic cards and will continue to be, right? That's that's something that you don't have to give up to have a logo that functions well in a digital era. There's plenty of companies that have had iconic logos that look very old and look very traditional, but they've still kept, you know, they can update them in a way that's more clean and polished without completely removing the old logo. I mean, you can look at Coke as a really good example, right? That logo's existed for... I want to say 100 years. I don't actually know when Coke was founded, but I'm sure it's close to that. And and all they've done is very minor tweaks to it, but it still feels like a a clean, polished logo. And they could have done that with the Magic logo. They they didn't have to, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. So I really don't like this change. Um, Aesthetically, I don't think it looks... I don't even think it looks better than the other logo. The only thing that I'll say is that they're trying to make... I think they're trying to refresh Magic and, and change what Magic is for a lot of people um, in this whole push for digital. And this might be part of that sort of new initiative. I just I don't think it's the right move anyway. So, yeah. Not a fan of the logo. Not a fan of the idea behind it. And hopefully there's enough community backlash that someone does something different. But I don't think there will be. So this is the new Magic logo. And basically, like, completely on the other side of the fence from Vince. <laughs> so I uh, I actually very much dislike the font and coloring of all of the other previous Magic the Gathering logos. So I'm glad that they're kind of doing away with that and using like a much sharper, more interesting font that looks a lot cleaner. Like I think this is going to look a lot better on like merchandise like clothes and hats and even product, and it definitely looked like it reads better on a digital screen. Um, the other fonts, like the original font is like very awkward. I can't imagine typesetting like an entire uh, font library for that, how that would look when you're typing. I, you, never, you would never have to do that. Fonts. Why would you ever do that? <laughs> Isn't this the Byron fonts? Like, don't they just have this? This is this is the font that they use now? I don't think it's Balearin the font. But no? okay. the original Magic logo, you would never have to draw a whole alphabet for it. It's it's a hand-drawn logo, right? Anyway, continue. I guess. Anyways, so, anyway, I, I like the way the new one looks, but I also just hate the Planeswalker symbol. It just need to, needs to go away. Like, it just looks bad. Everything else in the game looks good except for this logo, and they want this logo to be good so bad. They make the trophies out of this logo, and the trophies look terrible. And they put this logo on a bunch of stuff, and it looks stupid. I just... I don't know. I get it. There's five colors and whatever, but this is not a good representation of a Planeswalker or what have you. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's just I don't want this anywhere on anything. I, I never want to see this five-pronged, spiky sun garbage. Just make it go away. Come up with something can great. <laughs> bring that back. Can I, I make feel an like argument that- for the Planeswalker logo? while we're having this conversation. I think one of... I don't necessarily like the design of the Planeswalker logo. I like the fact that when I see it, it's an image, and I immediately associate it with magic. There really isn't 
something they could be using that does that. That isn't just a segment like, okay, they could use the island symbol, they could use the swamp symbol, but that's not encompassing magic. Right? Of course, yeah, of course, of course. But they're good at making logos. Like, are they? Symbols from Ravnica. Yeah, like, people love that stuff. And most of them are pretty good. Like, some of them are still a little bit meh, but I think, like, seven or eight out of ten of them are, like, very good looking now. So I, they, have it in, they have it in them. They have this, like, hundreds or thousands of artists that they contract for work. Just, I'm sure somebody wants to be the guy or girl that was like, yeah, I made the new Planeswalker logo for Magic going forward. Seems to be something that would be interesting to have the title of. So, I don't know. This just looks very novice when everything else, they're trying to make it look very professional. Okay, let's, let's try to get Kelly in here. What do you think? Are you hyped about the new logo? I, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I think the new logo is lovely. I think it's sharp. I think it's clean. I think it's really smooth. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, you know what? It's uh, it's evolved a lot now. What I will say is this is two logo changes in two years. So now the first one barely changed at all. Just changed like the mythic orange. And I think this is like drastically different enough that it'll stick. Uh, but if they change the logo again in a year, it'll be like, wait, what's going on? So stick with it. I think it's good. I don't think we can like back away from it now. Just embrace it, and uh, I think it leaves. I think part of the reason they did it is it leaves more room for it to be used in different mediums. Like you're saying, like print, t-shirts, you know, hats, whatever. But then also for like arena and you know booster packs and stuff like that. It's gonna look good whether you add the word like arena onto the bottom or like the booster or like whatever, you know. But I think they're gonna use it in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess, like, I actually don't disagree with anything you just said about, you know, it's definitely, it's obviously more crisp, it's obviously cleaner, like, you can, you can turn this into just black on white, and you can immediately understand it, where you couldn't do that with the previous Magic logo, like, there's a bunch of things this has going for it functionally, but the problem is, like, we now have two logos, and we're stuck with two logos, there's no getting away from that fact, like, they're not just gonna start changing the backs of Magic cards to have this logo on it. So no, they, should. they should. No, they Whatever. shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. Yeah, they should. There's no reason to have an old magic card back anymore. Okay. It doesn't. There's no purpose. They've already started printing whole cards on the back. That so like checklist cards that have a magic back, so that everyone can still use magic back cards. You're not fully understanding the situation if you think it's totally fine for them to start printing magic cards with new backs on them. Totally unsleeved. It's a very niche thing people need to be able to do. You don't need to be able to do it. If you just change the back, but there's no modern players, Vince, that don't have sleeves for their decks. Rob, you're coming at this from a perspective of a competitive player who's used sleeves for a decade. You're not coming at this from the 90% of people who play Magic who might not use sleeves. it, It is not an option for Wizards to change the back of a Magic card. It just isn't. It's not an option. <laughs> like, there's way too many people who play without sleeves. And considering the fact that 20 years of cards all have the same back, it is not something they're going to do. So the reality uh, is they're going to have two different logos. The back even has like, a accident. Like, it's just atrocious. doesn't change the fact that it's the only logo that will ever be on the back of a Magic card. I guess. I guess. Well, I mean, if that's the thought process, then it'll definitely never change. I agree. They'll just stuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> I would get the shit off. Anyways. Kelly, did you want to jump in? 
Any final words on this? <laughs> Magic. <laughs> All right. Um, moving back, back to nationals. Uh, to get people hyped up about the event, um, I do want to talk about different uh, things that are that are going on during the weekend because we don't have just the main event as we talked about we have cosplayers and vendors and you can just come in check out all the different cool yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. there and uh, the most the most important thing people need to know is if you can at all swing it but you don't have your life totally figured out and you can get there for like noon or one o'clock on friday that's super super valuable because we're running trials and qualifiers all day long trials qualifiers the ones who people who sign up before 1.30 on Friday afternoon get a second Ink Moth Nexus. Like you get one for playing in the main event and you get an extra one if you show up early on Friday. And that's just pure bribery to get people to come and hang out and participate in the event. Because uh, there's, there's tons of fun stuff. Now, if you are not qualified for nationals and you want to play, the qualifiers are where you need to be. Qualifiers are a $30 entry. It's like a Five round tournament. It's like like a good old fashioned grinder. Like if you're playing um, like a, for GP buys, except if you win, you get to participate in nationals. So it's like last chance qualifiers. Everyone who plays in those gets the Ink Moth Nexus, and then there's like extra prizes and stuff, obviously. Um, but the real prize is that you get to play in nationals. For everyone who's already qualified, we've got trials. Trials are a bit different. They're for people who are qualified. There's still five rounds, single limb, standard constructed. But if you win, if you go 5-0, you get two buys at Nationals. Nationals is a 12-round event. Getting two buys is insane. So it's definitely worth your energy. Sharpen up that deck, come on out, and, and win one of those trials. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a sweet highlight on Friday. Um, of course, people might not know that there's also the face-to-face -face games Modern Open Plus on the Sunday, which is our biggest face-to-face uh, -face games opens of the year, where uh, the two finalists get two invites to season two of the Star City Games uh, com invitation, as well as four hundred dollars uh, to help with their travels. So uh, this five K event is yeah. going to be huge on Sunday. Uh, one thing I um, and people might not notice, we also have uh, Legacy and Vintage players covered. Uh, why don't you tell us about that, the, the Eternal Weekend Trials, Kelly? Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, uh, U.S. Nationals is the same weekend. Our friends down at Card Titan are running U.S. Nationals at the same time as we're running Canadian Nationals. So if you can't attend either Canadian or U.S. Nationals, U.S. Nationals is going to be live-streamed on Twitch. So you're definitely going to want to tune in for that because it's going to be really fun. Uh, but Nick, the uh, Card Titan, is also running Eternal Weekend the weekend after National. So that's the weekend of the 20th, 21st, 22nd. And there's a ton of stuff. It's down in, I think, Philadelphia or one of the cities in the United States that starts with a P. Uh, maybe Pittsburgh. I'm not sure. Um, but it's somewhere. And you should go to it. But if you come to Canadian Nationals, you can win Trials or Eternal Weekend. Those are going to be four-round Swiss events, and all players who go 4-0 in either the Legacy or the Vintage are going to get a buy at Eternal Weekend. 
Now, for them who don't know, Eternal Weekend usually has prizes of like Black Lotuses and Moxes and Bizarro Baguettes and stuff. So it's, again, another good tournament you're going to want to have eyes for. You also yeah. get the Inkmon Nexus Pro just for playing in the Eternal Weekend Trials. So uh, if, if all this is gobbledygook at this point, just mggnationals.ca, plug, 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 go to the website, plug, 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 come to the event. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, it's sweet. And then there's going to be also, again, different type of team trios and two-headed giants. Uh, question from, from the chat or on Facebook. People want to know a bit about the prize wall, what they might be able to expect. Kelly, could you tell us anything uh, about the prize wall this upcoming weekend? So what I can tell you about the prize wall is I actually had to rent a U-Haul trailer that like is like a storage locker. So I've got a U-Haul storage locker full of stuff that is all going to be on the prize wall because there's no room in the store for all this stuff. There's obviously going to be like, booster packs of the current set, Ixalan packs and stuff like that, but we've also made like bundles available. We've got like a, a whole swath of old packs. There's going to be singles. There's going to be like from the vault boxes and, you know, dual deck anthologies, commander decks. Um, and then we've also got like a bunch of extra like face face swag and, and it's it's just literally anything that I can give away, we're going to give away. So uh, one thing that's pretty cool is we got RBC to sponsor the prize wall. So the prizes are like pretty significantly hyped up because RBC signed on as a sponsor, which is pretty cool. And I think like that's something that would be interesting to talk about is how like I've never seen a major magic tournament with a corporate sponsor like a bank before. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that when I pitched it to RBC, they were like, yeah, we'll sponsor that. Oh, a bunch of people who we don't normally get to advertise to, we can like come hang out and talk to them. Yeah, we're in. Good on you, Kelly, because like... like signed I, on without thinking twice about it. I don't think a lot of people in the tournament organizer community would even think that that's a possibility because there's that stigma that's just like, oh, no one takes magic seriously, no one consider this a, a real possibility, but that, like, when I heard that, I was blown away. Like, that is a serious step up for a tournament to be sponsored by. Like, RBC's a real, like, that's a big five Canadian bank. For those of you who aren't in, in Canada, that's, like, the biggest, one of the biggest <laughs> banks in Canada sponsoring a magic tournament. Like, that actually... It legitimizes a lot of, uh, you know, the sentiment that a lot of Magic players feel, uh, but the public world might not have the same perception about. But when you see, you know, RBC sponsoring a Magic tournament, it, it really puts into uh, it puts into light Magic in a really good way. So I think I think that's really cool that you did that. Uh, major props for doing that. That's sweet. Yeah, yeah, and it, it'll be cool because like they're pitching in and they're bringing their whole team too. They're like super excited about it. So they've got like a like one of those like party vans that's going to come so you can like go talk to them in their van. Oh, not van, bus. It's like a party bus. Van sounds weird. It's a, <laughs> it's a bus. And uh, yeah, they've, they've like invented this little like card game you can play with them to like learn about like how to invest for your future and how to like pay off your student loans and oh, stuff like that. Fantastic. So it's pretty cool. But they, they've really like embraced it and uh, said like, yeah, you know what? Like, who cares whether, you know, they would sponsor a sports event. So why not sponsor, you know, a, a magic, a card sport event? And they're giving us Guns N' Roses tickets to give away. So 
you can go speak to Guns N' Roses at the Air Canada Center. Pretty sweet. <laughs> that is great. Props to RBC, too, for coming along. <laughs> Vince's reaction is uh, priceless. Uh, every, every time I've run into people who talked about this, they're, they're like super surprised about this news. I wasn't. I was just like really happy Kelly went out of the way. Uh, it's just really exciting news. Um, I, I could yeah. see why why they would sponsor this event, though. It's a huge event. Yeah, I think I, I encourage other organizers to reach out and like, you know, maybe it's not Canadian nationals getting, you know, a national bank to sponsor it, but maybe like, you know, stores and stuff like talk to the pizza place down the road, like see if they want to sponsor pre-release or something like that, you know, like these are like, this is obviously on a much larger scale, but I think people should, businesses should communicate and interact more and like help each other out, especially small businesses in local communities. Like if you're Joe Schmo's card shop and like Billy Bob's pizza is down the road, all your customers are going to go there anyway. You may as well like encourage them to and incentivize them to in some way that like helps the store and helps the pizza place, you know? So I, I think, I think this is like scratching the surface of what's possible and and hopefully other other stores and and you know if you look online ultimate guard who's sponsoring us sponsoring canadian nationals and the face-to-face games.com open plus series like ultimate guard sponsoring everyone ultimate guard got on board sponsoring the knights of ren which is like a star wars destiny podcast like who who even knows what that is but they're sponsoring it you know i think like people people are going to spend money and they're going to spend money in places and in, in, in the direction you incentivize them to so if if you encourage them to you know because you help out a local podcast then people will be like oh i'm gonna buy your sleeves instead of somebody else's sleeves you know so i think it's really cool and i think uh i think there's there's money to be made but there's also like community to be built and i think those things go hand in hand Right. Um, Vince, what are the odds that you're making it down to Nationals? Oh, well, I very much want to. I'm, I'm qualified. Vince, where do you live? I live, <laughs> I live in Toronto. Uh, I, there's a, a venture that I'm very invested in that is currently consuming a lot of my time, and I know I won't be able to do the whole weekend. I would like to get down for a day. Um, I'm pretty confident I will be able to do at least one day. Um, but yeah, it's not something I want to be missing at all. This is, I don't play in a lot of Magic tournaments. This would be the Magic tournament I would be playing in if I could choose. But, uh, the next four to six weeks of my life are consumed by other things that I'm sure will come into light maybe on this podcast later on in in later weeks. (laughs) That's all I'll say for now. Intriguing. Misery. I think, um, you know, I think the important thing for people to remember, too, is like, like you said, you can't come for the whole weekend, but it's $70 to enter nationals. If you can, if you can come out, sign up, you get your Inkmoth Nexus promo, which is like a foil altered Inkmoth Nexus. That's probably like 50 to 70 bucks right there. You can then like sleeve up 60 islands and be like, I drop. I want my six boosters for the draft. And if you drop before the drafts, we just give you the packs you would have gotten for the draft. And then you also get like the play mat and you know the other swag, you know, the loot bag, the, the tote bag, the 
that you get. So like, even if people just want to show up and draft in the side drafts all weekend, I encourage you to sign up and participate in nationals. A, because you get a bunch of cool stuff. B, because it pads our numbers and makes us look super successful. So we would appreciate it, but also you get cool stuff. I respect that. You know what? I wasn't going to sign up for Nats, but you've sold me. That feels like a pretty good a pretty good value play. And, and us Magic players, we love the EVs, so I'm in. It's all the EV. I'm in. It's all of us. And that's the, the, the Inkbot Nexus promo is really the secret here. Yeah. And that you people who are value grinding are going to look at the weekend schedule on the website and be like, how do I get as many Inkbot Nexus promos as possible? And if you're paying attention, if you're paying attention, you can get a full playset of Inkbot Nexus promos with without actually trading or buying any from vendors. Like you can just sign up for four specific tournaments and you will get a playset. So that's the like that's the Easter egg. See who can figure out how to get the full playset. Okay. Uh, Rob, do you have any uh, last questions on, on nationals for Kelly? How many people? Are you guys expecting? Man, that is the magic question. So we have over 300 signed up already. Uh, this time last year for the WMCQ, the WMCQ had in Toronto had 360 players or 380 players or something. And the day before, we had 80 people pre-regged. So we got like 300 signups on the day. Uh, you know, like. 80% of total signups on the day. So I don't think that's going to be quite the same for Nats because more people are going to travel for this. But if we're at 300 now, I'm expecting, you know, like five, 600 probably, uh, which is a little terrifying, but also pretty awesome. So uh, that's the dream. Uh, it does cap out at 700. So I encourage people to pre-register. Uh, you can go to mtgnationals.ca or facefacegames.com or for any of the other places you could think to find links to how to give us money. Um, but uh, yeah, you definitely want to pre-register the to, to ensure you get that Inkbot Nexus promo because that is one of the limiting reagents, as is the playmat. And the playmat is the really cool playmat of like all the planeswalkers fighting Bolas. Um, which is pretty sweet. So, yeah, so is your playmat different than like the other nationals playmats? Like, does Canada have a specific playmat, or is like everyone get like everywhere everyone gets the same? Our mat says Canadian Nationals on it, and it has spacefacegames.com logo on it. <laughs> so the armor is consistent. <laughs> I I heckled them for I was like, come on, this is clearly our devastation art. The, the thing is, for people who don't know, that the, the other two dates for for Nationals that we could have picked were back in September before Ixalan dropped. So other countries had to have an hour devastation art. And I was like, come on, we got to have a cool art. And then they were like, uh, no, you're going to use the same as everybody else to keep it fair. And I was like, all right, fine. But our top eight, our top eight playmat art is the super dope, uh, like the shaman guy going with the dinosaurs on either side of them and uh, like the dark art. And that's that's the, uh, the top eight playmat. So yeah, if you make the top eight. How do you make day two? What, what What's the qualifying factor? Is it X3, uh, X2? Uh, yeah, okay. This is important to note. It, it is a two-day event, right? So there is going to be a cut at the end of day one. Uh, there's seven rounds of day one. You need to win at least zero matches on day one to qualify for day two. <laughs> 
So as long as you have a record of zero and seven or better, you can play day two. Um, this is the type of tournament I'm excited about now. Now I wish I could play. I like the auto day two. Yeah, auto day two. Uh, the important thing to note is though we will bribe you, you know, in the form of booster packs that you would have gotten for drafting to drop instead. So if if you don't want to, if you if you're like, well, I can't drop because then I'm going to miss out on value, the EV, the grinding, yada yada. Uh, if you drop, you get the booster packs instead, and then that's you know better than opening product and having to draft. I guess you could in theory say that it's better to sit down in a rare draft and ruin seven other people's pod but it's probably better to just drop uh and take your packs and well, then play possibly you'll be able to rare draft right because if you're 07 you're at the 07 table and all of you have the same idea so you're kind of just opening your packs and taking the rare <laughs> also can we for... please do can we please live stream a draft called the 07 table <laughs> That'd be great. I would, I would watch that for sure. That actually would be a super interesting and fun stream to watch. It's called Bash Drafting. Like, just a, hy- yeah, yeah. Like a hypothetical yeah. where you just have, like, LSV and Huey in a booth watching just eight, like, not-so-good players drafting and just critiquing, like, well, not sure about that pick. Just for 40 minutes. Yeah, LSV's like, well, okay, so the dinosaur guy could be worth a dollar next year, so it's like, it was the correct thing. I think he needs this for his EDH deck. Like, that would just, that would be great. I can see them I can see them being like, okay, it's, there's three cards left in the pack. One of them has he's gonna pick the Regisaur Alpha. At this point, somebody's gotta pick the Regisaur Alpha. Nope, nope, he, he took the common. All right. All right, yeah, that's, that's just gonna that's just gonna be a push, I guess. Ugh. <laughs> oh, I man. love it. See, we we have a new format. It should be at every pro tour. Bring a friend. New eight man format. <laughs> you can just fill a backdraft and then have the them come to see is to uh-huh. Not tell the commentators it's a backdraft. Yeah, see how bad. But have a backdraft. Yeah, <laughs> backdraft, but the commentators don't know it's a backdraft. <laughs> For those Sorry. who don't know what a backdraft is, your goal is to pick the worst card in the pack instead of the well, not technically the worst card in the pack, but to make the you're, worst deck possible at the end of the yeah, deck. Yeah, well, not in the worst deck. You're trying to come up with the worst pile of cards because yeah. every time you sit down and play an opponent. You give them what you drafted, and they have to make something playable out of it. And they do the same for you. And if, you're, if what you drafted was able to beat you, you lose. <laughs> so you want to make your deck win. It actually teaches I, you some interesting things about drafting. But for it's sure. a whole different conversation. Backdraft is fun. We'll do it now. Yeah. I think then they should build commander decks out of what they <laughs> backdraft. Yeah. Daniel Fornius is, is going to quit Magic if there's ever Commander on the Pro Tour, so this would definitely make it, I mean, make it work. That has to make it plus EV, right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I'll give like one last sweet plug for the FaceFaceGames.com Open and just the whole weekend in general. Whether you're Canadian, American, Nationals is going to be a ton of fun. Um, go, you know, support Magic in your community. Make a trip out of it. Like, get a carload of folks. It's it's not too late to plan. We've still got, like, a room block uh, at our event. I know Nick Koss has a bunch of cool stuff for U.S. Nationals. And uh, this is really about, like, 
choosing the 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 group of people who's going to like represent your country uh on, on a magic scale so even if you're not there for the main event like go support it be a part of it it's uh it's gonna be a lot of fun and um it uh, it's you, you're not gonna want to miss it hmm, okay uh kelly before uh we let you go i, I did want to ask you as someone that uh Runs face face games Toronto, a place that attracts so many uh, players. Like, it's unreal how many players you attract in your store. I just want to ask you to get a sense of do you have a feel of what's popular in terms of format uh, in, in the local community? Is standard still like standard has been on a super download in Montreal for a while? Uh, only modern has been strong. <laughs> How's it been in Toronto? Um, honestly, uh, you know, uh, what, what we have found is that when you nurture a community, it's going to grow. Um, and nurturing doesn't just mean like, oh, it's a free tournament, come out and win a thing, because uh, anyone can give away stuff. Nurturing a community means like having a staff that's interested and educated in a format. Uh, the reason Frontier took off in Toronto for almost a full year was because we had a staff that was super stoked about it. And that, that was really successful. Like, it was a made-up format by the crew in, in, in Japan. And, and we were just like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this. Um, that's died off. What has emerged out of that is this new standard format, which for us has really been growing. We've seen a huge swell in attendance on our, on our Friday night event. We actually added Wednesday nights uh, for standard as, as well. This past Sunday, we had our Sunday showdown, which if you go on manatobrad.com, you can see all the deck lists and all that. Yay! A new standard format that's really, really exciting and drawing a lot of people in. Uh, we've had to crack more Ixalan at the store in Toronto than any other set in history because we just keep selling through all the new cards, all the exciting stuff, like hostage takers, like $10 or $12 on the buy list or whatever. We just keep blowing through them like it's ridiculous so it's um i would say standard is really growing up now that being said modern is still huge like modern's not going anywhere um and and modern is quite healthy right now like a bunch of the new cards have, have made a bit of a splash and people are having fun with it so i would say from our perspective we're seeing growth in standard and just sort of like a steady line in modern like there was a couple of Thursdays ago, this was back in the summer, our store in Toronto, we had 30 players playing modern. No, we had 40 players playing modern. And ANC Games, which is like another shop, shout out to ANC, another shop in downtown Toronto, they had 30 players on the same night. That means like on a Thursday night or Tuesday night or whatever it was, there were 70 players playing modern in, in one city, uh, which is just bananas. Like it just shows that there's this hunger and this appetite for magic that that isn't being satisfied, uh, and and you just can't get enough. So, and and then lastly, limited super hot too. I mean, we we had what normally at our uh, our Thursday night F or our um, Friday night F and M, we have like one or two pods of draft tops, like. Eight to sixteen players last weekend for for the first big weekend of Ixalan being out. We had thirty two players, like a full four pods. We had to like break out extra tables and chairs just to fit everybody in. And then today, we, you know, we always do all day drafts on the holidays. Today we ha we ran eight uh, thirteen drafts 
13 drafts on a Monday. And I only had to bribe some people with Pi to play an extra draft. Uh, but they <laughs> buy. So it's, uh, yeah, no, Magic's just super healthy right now. And I think a lot of people are really excited about Nationals and are going to be sort of looking to Nationals uh, to lead the way in terms of what to expect for, for the next set and what to expect for um, sort of the format going forward and the Pro Tour because they've done this funny thing where the Pro Tour is like, several weeks from now and i think that's uh it's interesting because it lets the format like grow and develop a lot more before making the pros ingest it what do you guys think about all that and like what do you think worlds matters in terms of like nationals or the pro tour or do you think worlds is its own little bubble and that that it's going to be new going forward i think worlds is kind of like exactly what you would have expected almost like Teamer and Mono Red are definitely the two big decks of the format. And if you're competent at one of those decks and you're looking to play or test for Nats, I would just, you know, like tighten your, your sideboard and your, your game plans for, for the matchups you expect to see and, and keep running that. I wouldn't deviate. I don't think that Teamer is like 10% better than Mono Red or Mono Red's 10% better than Teamer. I think they're both about equally good and whatever deck you can pilot better you'll end up having a better result. Like, a lot of the stuff in Standard feels 50-50, actually. The blue-black deck was kind of an unknown quantity going into the event, but I think the deck sucks, so uh, I don't think it's going to stick around. And Scarab God's like a million dollars because everyone wants there to be a playable control deck, but it's just... It's not good. Like, if you just look at the results of the players that played uh, blue-black, they did well in the event. They had high standings because they slaughtered draft. Like, they weren't crushing standard. I think Kelvin showed the best record. He, like, went 5-3, but everyone else was, like, 4-4 or worse. So, um, you know, the other guys that... There, there was a lot of people that went 6-2 uh, with, with uh, Remy and Red or, or Teamer Energy. It was interesting that there was no blue-white approach, though, uh, or anything with playing together. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Like three of the Toronto store staff are just like totally hooked on blue light approach. And they're like, it's the greatest, it's so good. I'm like, it's not seeing it. Not seeing it. I just came to that uh, with that deck this week, and I was like, that's it. I'm, I've had enough of this deck. If I play another game, I might just quit magic. <laughs> Someone posted <laughs> some stat on Twitter about uh, worlds that basically looked at every standard match that wasn't a mirror and compared win rates across the major archetypes and teamer was like so much better than every other deck when you looked at non-mirror matches it was insane like none of the decks had an over 500 except for teamer which was like i want to say it won like 65 percent of its non-mirror matches so i believe that that would be true it, it also had like the best pilots though yeah that and that's I, th this is what i was gonna add is that like People are going to use Worlds as a meta for future tournaments, but they shouldn't, but they will. So it kind of, it's weird that it kind of reinforces itself as a meta you should use it's because people will use it. Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, if this is what to expect, then you better expect it because even though, even though this isn't necessarily right. correct, this is what you're going to see. So be ready for it. So there's people that are going to follow it because they think it's an actual snapshot of the meta. And then there's people that are going to follow it because they're like, well, everyone else is going to follow it. So this just becomes the meta. But yeah, I don't know if that necessarily means the decks that came out of this tournament as successful are actually the right decks to be playing. 
but they will be. They're going to be popular, so figure out how to beat them or play them. Do you, do you guys know? Do you, do you guys know Mark Anderson? He's like uh, yeah, yeah. 2011 Canadian national champion. So we reached out to him a while back when we first started planning that. So we we're like, Hey, Mark, do you want to come out and like be the reigning champion and like pass off the torch sort of thing? He's like, I'm definitely not qualified. Like the man barely plays Magic anymore. Um, but he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. So he actually came out to the shop this past Sunday and I was like, yeah, I'll lend you a deck, like whatever you want to play. So he sends me this like super janky dinosaurs deck. And I'm like, this is, this is what you're going to play at the Sunday showdown. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. Like, all right, man. So we pulled it all for him and we sleeved it up. And uh, then uh, at the end of the day, he's like, so with this gunslinging thing and that's because uh, you said if, if people beat me, they get prize tickets. Do you want me to give out a lot of prize tickets? Because if I play this deck, I'm going to give out a lot of prize tickets. <laughs> yeah, man, make it rain. It's all good. <laughs> so don't forget to come. And play Mark Anderson at Nationals and be his terrible dino deck. <laughs> Meta hard against. Just show up with like the nut counter. We have the intel now. Like, we know how to beat him. Like, I don't think I won a single game against a, an energy deck. I don't. I don't <laughs> think I. Won a game this is really bad. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. It's too funny. So, um, uh, Kelly, anything, any last thing you want to plug? Cookies! Oh, cookies, of course. <laughs> Number one reason to come to Nationals, cookies! Uh, another, another fine corporate sponsor that has signed on to uh, support the event, Sweets from the Earth. Hey. I mean, people love them at Nationals. People thought the cookies were great, and, uh, they're coming back. They're back at Nationals. Yep. That's it. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me on. This is like a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate uh, the airtime. Uh, sorry if this was too much of a plug fest. Uh, <laughs> where, yeah. where can people find you, uh, Kelly? You don't, you don't use your Twitter much anymore. You don't uh, have time, uh, right? No, you just... Nah, just show up at the store, like or just show up at nationals. Um, if if you want to hit us up, or if you have questions about the event, uh, if you're curious about the shuttle service, we're just nailing down the last of the details. There will be a shuttle service from the airport, uh, so if you can get out to Pearson Airport, there'll be a van with face face games magnets on it that'll pick you up. That'll uh, Check our, our Facebook, our Twitter, the Face Face Games Toronto, and the FaceFaceGames.com, Facebook and Twitter. We'll have all the information there. Uh, but we will not leave you stranded in Mississauga. Uh, because for them, for them who don't drive, that's the reality of the international centers. It's, it is challenging to get to. Um, don't forget. So, yeah, uh, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, hit it, you know, we've got a great staff of people who manage that. Um, and then uh, for those who want to, you know, prepare for the event, I think one good thing to remember is all those food menu. Pack up granola bars. You know, we are kind of the boonies, so there isn't like a corner store you can walk to. So if you're going to want a Red Bull or like if you're going to want, you know, a, a peanut butter sandwich or whatever, probably don't bring peanut butter because you'll probably kill someone. But you know, bring uh, turkey sandwich maybe. 
then you'll just kill a turkey. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so de definitely. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Kelly. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Talk to you all soon. Talk to you soon. Okay, that was Kelly Ackerman for uh, Face Vegas Games Toronto. And uh, you can get to see him next. <laughs> it is upcoming weekend as, as uh, Vince tries to fix things up. Um, so let's get back to the uh, strategic parts of it. Uh, Rob, can you reiterate again what, how you would be planning for uh, this upcoming weekend? Yeah, so uh, my, I, I think both Timo and, and Mono Red are fine. Uh, given my playstyle preferences, if I had to pick between those two decks, I personally would lean towards Mono Red. I actually think Javier might have been the world champion if he didn't throw away game four. Um, it looked like his list was giving Huey's list some problems, and he actually did beat Huey in the Swiss. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he blocks are a little bit different there, and uh, he doesn't decide to to just risk it all on the top of his deck and instead just kills Huey is might be a, a little bit of a different outcome. We were all singing a different tune today instead. But um, I wouldn't also fault you for playing Teamer, but I wouldn't play Huey's exact list. Like, that list is definitely, when you look at it, they know that the format is inbred and that it only has, whatever, two or three decks in it. <laughs> you can tell it's very clear. They're like, oh, we don't need to run Scarab Gods or Hostage Takers or anything like that. We're just going to run a main deck coup so we can steal our opponent's Scarab Cuts. It's like, okay, this is not something you normally do in a wide open tournament. Can you uh, <laughs> clarify for the audience and me what, <laughs> what the play was that was so devastatingly bad? Yeah, so uh, it's going to be a little bit complicated to talk it through. Uh, oh, so, bear if with it is, me. don't worry about it. Sure, no, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I think I can be clear. I explained it to, to someone yesterday, and they seemed to get all the points, even though they weren't watching the, okay. <laughs> the game. So we'll You've see. Practice. So, um, Javier's at uh, 9. Huey's at 4. Javier has just a Rampaging Ferocidon in play, which is the 3-3 three, three that players can't gain life, has Menace, and whenever a creature comes into play, that player loses one life. He has three Ramian Up Ruins, a Mountain, and a Scorched Desert in play. So, like, he could take a, a life to put Huey down to two. And he has two carry Zevs in hand. So his hand is just bricks. So he just passes the turn, uh, like, with the thought of, okay, well, I'll just, like, Ramunap ruins him at the end of his turn, and then hopefully untap, draw an untapped land, and then just, you know, Ramunap ruins him again, right? So he doesn't play the carry Zev, which is definitely correct from that standpoint. So Huey has all lands in hand. He has a Long Tusk Cub with a counter on it. He has three energy. He has two Thopters and a World of Virtuoso in play. And, like, whatever, infinite lands. Infinite lands in hand, infinite lands in play. His draws were, like, very mediocre that game. I guess they, they both were. Javier drew, like, three or four Raminap runes and three Kari Zabs. <laughs> Huey just drew all hands, so whatever. Um, Huey draws Virtuoso and decides to play it to go to six energy. But he also goes to three life. And then after quite a bit of deliberation, he decides that he'll just attack with everything. So he attacks with Virtuoso, two Thopters, and a Long Tusk Cub with one counter on it, and he's got six energy. So he can make that Long Tusk Cub a 6-6, six, six, 
Um, and he has the two softers, and Javier is at nine. Uh, and then there's the virtuoso attacking, right? So Javier has the option of basically blocking the virtuoso and going to one, or blocking the long tusk cub and going to five. So if he blocks the cub, then he has enough life to activate his Ramunap ruins, put Huey to, to one, draw like almost anything in his deck, <laughs> right? Any any burn spell, any haste creature, um, and mountain, uh, right? Land. <laughs> yeah. Right, including Scorch Desert, which does it the clean way, just put it right in the place, which is what he did. And then he drew a brick. I forget what it was. Um, and then and then lost. But so, if he would have fought the world of Virtuoso, right? So here are Huey's options. Huey can use no energy, right? And then Javier would take five and go to four. Uh, Javier would sack the um, a land at the end of turn, go to three, and put Huey at one. He attacks with Ferocidon. Huey has uh, eight energy in his pool and uh, just a ruler, ruler virtuoso back. So, like, if he wants to block, he has to make a guy and die. Okay, so that's not a winning line. He could put Javier, like, he use all the energy on the cub, put Javier to one, right? Then he only has two energy in his pool. Um, Javier can't sack a, rent, uh, a desert. Because he's at one life and he needs to tap a random runes to add the extra red. Um, but QV only has a virtuoso back and he can't make another Thopter, even though he's at three. So then the Ferocidon just gets to attack for three since it has menace and kill Huey. So I think Huey's attack just like puts him dead on board. Unless Heavy was like playing around something in Huey's hand, but Huey did basically nothing for like three turns and then played a world virtuoso, which would have been very good later. So it's not like he was sandbagging it. And I feel like he would have, if he could kill the Ferocidon, like if he had anything, he would have killed the Ferocidon and just killed uh, Javier, right? So I think that like you can have some reasoning to put Huey on literal nothing and just trying to see, since he thinks he's dead, right? Because he's dead to almost any card in Javier's deck. He's like, I just, the, my out is my opponent misplaying. And that's what he did, right? And so he, he kind of got there. So I think. It's actually, like, a super interesting, like, I guess you can call it, like, I'll, I'll agree that you can call it a misplay, but, like, it's a misplay under a lot of layers of tension in the game, right? Like, there's this weird thing where, like, Huey can put him to one to make it so he can't activate ruins, but then it puts him in an energy count that's too low to actually make a blocker. Like, there's, and I'm not trying to, you know, this is a guy who's playing at Worlds, he should probably, you know, be able to figure out all, all the lines and that kind of thing, but it is, a, that is a complex board state for sure. And it's no, actually it's, a really neat kind of way to think about it. It's a super tense match as well, right? Like, you don't know where yeah. is your mind going into that turn. Like, for me, I was, like, not really paying attention to it. And then I was like, oh, the game's going to end soon. I'm going to pay attention. And then I, I kind of want to have you to win. Uh, just for me rooting for Mono Red, I guess. I don't know. I needed something to root for. And, uh, and he's kind of the underdog, which which I, I don't mind rooting for. Um, so I was paying attention. And as... As he's blocking, like the the commentators are going like, "Oh, does he block the cub? Does he do this?" And I was like, "Block the virtuoso! Block the virtuoso!" <laughs> like, no, no. I was like, then it's like, okay, you're not dead yet. You can still draw a land or any burn spell or a haste creature. And it's like, oh damn it! It's <laughs> like it's so safe to think in your head though. Like you look at you look at your lands, you look at your opponent's life total, and you're like, okay, I just have to activate ruins twice. 
and you can get. I mean, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. This is probably the the line he got stuck on in his head, right? Like my opponent's at four. All I have to do is figure out how to live long enough to activate runes twice. And he didn't think about the fact that like he could force a board state that was super awkward for Huey because he alphaed. Like there, right. there was actually interesting. Like Huey technically didn't have to alpha either, right? Like he could have left the Thopter back. I don't know. No, because it puts him at two instead of one if he all ends right. on the right. Right, that, that doesn't work. Yeah, it's actually a super interesting board state. Yeah, I just it would be very interesting to know. Um, like I like, did they both miss that the first one had menace, or did Huey know that this was like what was going to happen? And he's like, the only way I can win is if you misplay. So he just like makes the attack, and he's like, well, my opponent, like like you said, my opponent might have just been like. Oh, he's dead to two Romney Up Rooms activations, and that's my game plan. And he's just like down that train of thought, so he's just like, boom! Chop <laughs> with your frozen on. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I imagine he was probably thinking, I'm dead, right? And when it's you're possible. thinking you're dead, you try to force him, a misplay out of your opponent. And yeah, he did, right? I'd like to know if Huey missed that he was dead, or if no. he intentionally. I, I, right, it's very unlikely, but it would be something very, it would be an interesting detail yeah, to know. Yeah. Because they didn't really talk about it afterwards. Car, you gotta pull uh, some strings for next week. We gotta get Huey on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a, that's a big ask, but... Yeah, so anyways, I think it's not... Uh, like, Running Up Red might have won. Might have won that match. Like, uh, I think Frosinon is very good against Teamer. It's, like, very, very difficult uh, for Virtuoso to deal with, so... I'm not sure how that match would have ended up if they get to go to Game 5. You would be on the play, so that's definitely a disadvantage for the Mono Red deck. Uh, for sure, but... Anyways, yeah, so I think both those decks are good. I think blue-black is really bad. Um, even though two of them made top four or whatever. I think that, uh, like, the format is full of insane threats. Like, every creature is is great. You're, like, not playing insane creatures. There's just, like, Heart of Kieran, so not good enough. Wanting Constrictor, so not good enough. Walking Ballista, these cards are not... Ripjaw Raptor, whatever. Like, all these cards <laughs> are, like... The can't see play. Like, even Angel of Invention, which was like a stalwart of Last Standard, right? It's like, this card is just not good enough. The O-Ring Angels, not... Like, none of these cards are good enough to see play. Glorybound Initiate, whatever. Because all the other creatures are just so insane, right? Like, in the Teamer deck and in Mono Red, like, that synergy and how everything works with haste and Unblockable uh, kind of fits so nicely. Even, like, Glorybringer is not, you know, great right now. That's how insane, like, stuff like Long Tusk Cup is and the value from Virtuoso and Rogue Refiner and, and like, bristling hydra being nuts right so you have all these great threats and all the answers suck like you have fatal push and you have vraska's content and you have a bunch of like mediocre counter spells so like how do you think it's great to play a deck with bad answers against a format with really great threats i just don't over like a 12 round tournament i just don't think that's i guess you're only playing six round standard but if you if you want to win it you need to like do well in nine of those rounds it's like don't think that's a deck you want to bring that and scarab god's like 50 or 60 or 100 dollars or whatever some stupid price right now i just don't think people are going to be able to get their hands on it so i'm just going to pretend in my testing like the deck doesn't exist like i think that it's bad people that are playing it are probably going to come to that re realization and everyone who's not that still thinks it's good is not going to be able to get the cards in time for nets anyway so i think it's like a non-factor for the most part I wouldn't be surprised if Blue White Approach had a much better day at Nats than uh, Blue Black Control. I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I'll ask you, I guess. Do you think, given that Teamer is. I don't, I don't want to say more restricted, but given that it's Teamer Energy, right? The current Teamer, you know, list. 
has less slots to to move around than the red deck. Do you think over time, if the format kind of doesn't stagnate, but kind of, you know what I mean, like settles a little bit, do you think over time the red deck will start becoming better against the teamer deck, given the fact that red has more room to kind of slot cards in and out because they're not restricted by an insular mechanic like energy? I think actually the way the matches looked like they played out was they were so draw dependent that I think the matchup, unless you like do something very drastic, it looks like it's going to stay very close to 50 50. Like it, it reminds me a lot of like Mardu versus Sahili, four color Sahili back in the day, where like Teamer Energy is a four color Sahili deck and Mono Red is a Mardu deck. And it's like you think about those decks, actually, it kind of play very similarly as well in the way that they attack the matchup. Um, like, Team Energy can't just kill you out of nowhere like Sahili could, but also the Mono Red deck is less powerful than the original Mardu deck, so they're kind of both toned down in the same way, and it, it looks like, you know, if you win the die roll and your draws are just slightly better, but you're both playing, like, you know, mostly correct, I think it probably favors, like, the, the better draw and the, and the die roll. Um, but, like, yeah, it, there's lots of room to outplay your opponent, so that's where it matters more on, like, do you know what you're doing with the mono red deck against a teamer player, or do you know what you're doing in the teamer mirror, or can you play teamer better against a mono red player? Like these are the things you want to think about when you're you're choosing between those two decks. And I don't, there's not a lot of other like I don't think there's a lot of other room where I'd want to be for a big tournament coming into this weekend. And I think Nats is going to show that. I think there's going to be a lot of teamer, and a lot of people have that deck. A lot of people have the mono red deck as well, right? So I think it's going to be maybe even overrepresented. <laughs> given just how accessible the, the two decks are. And their their tenure, too, right? Like, if people have been playing Standard, they should probably have acquired at least one of these two decks over the last six months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for, it's for not sure. like it's a new breakout deck. These are decks, these are archetypes that have existed for a long time in the Standard environment, so it's not like people yeah. don't have these cards. I think, like, 65 to 70 of the cards are the same from, like, previous iteration for the most part, so... This is the problem with Insular Mechanics. You can't <laughs> add new cards to the Energy deck because there's no new Energy card. Anyway. It's possible, like, a deck like Mardu can come back. Like, it, it could have game against these decks. I don't know what the configuration is. Um, a Braid is just really tough, and they both get to act, get access to four of them if they want them. So, it's tricky. It's kind of a tricky balance to play. Yeah. Um, uh, there's probably some control deck that that's reasonable. I'm just not. I'm not the player to build it. <laughs> that's fair. It, it's tough though. Like I agree with you, Rob. The threats are good. <laughs> Rob, do you see like a return to for nationals? Uh, you talked about how because it's so narrow, that's why you felt they took out uh, Scarab Goblin Teamer. Do you see Dark Teamer uh, being a possibility for you this upcoming weekend, or just just the version that Huey played? No, like, I mean, people know that Scarab God is good, uh, and I think people will come prepared against it, whether or not they, they're actually, like, going to play against it a lot. And if you come prepared for it, then it's much less good, right? Like, if you're packing Confiscation Coup in the main and, like, one or two in the board or something like that, you're just, like, ready to deal with it, or you have an exile effect, like, um, I don't know, Death Gorge Scavenger or whatever that dinosaur is called, seeing, like, you know, Harness Lightning and then eat it. And gain two life or whatever that seems fine uh, as a game plan and like those cards are good in other matchups right like death uh scavenger is like really good against mono red you can usually gain like four to six life and it's like very difficult for them to kind of come back from that 
uh, and it like eats Kenras and, and other nonsense. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really like the dark teamer list. I think the mana is like too shoddy. But if if you feel like you're gonna run hot for six rounds, then it's not bad. <laughs> if you're always gonna have your colors, uh, it's good. But I, I feel like the deck is is like I I played the deck for a while and I played it through the weekend a bunch as well while uh, Worlds or Champs was going on. And like, there's still hands where like you don't draw a mountain or you don't draw an island or you don't draw a forest and you like either you keep it and like you hope to get there or like you have to mulligan it because it doesn't have a forest. And I think just like adding a swamp to that mix is maybe probably not worth the gains you get from Scarab God. The deck is like just playing Glorybringer is fine. You're probably going to win enough of those games where you just jam a Glorybringer on five that you were going to win with Scarab God. So, hmm. All right. <clears throat> I, I'm reading like our uh, our Twitter account or for strength, at for strength pie, so follow that account if you haven't already. Uh, Spencer Howlin, a great follower, great listener, great fan of ours, and we're fan of his work as well. Said that uh, <laughs> it's just a funny tweet that he had. Um, for all the crap talking on for strength pie this week about worlds, it's been the best event in a very long time. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, uh, as someone who watched. Uh, Worlds, did, did you like it? I, I don't know if we crapped on it that much. I, I think I just, no, I just felt, said that uh, the like, you know, playing the games is so useless uh, because, like, you know, people just like you, it's like going to an FNM, like, it's such an inbred format, which it was, right? So I think, like, the information from it is, like, mostly not that useful. Like, there was no new deck. I go, like, there's blue black, but I, I, I think that was that was a meta call, right? They thought that they could have a good matchup against Teamer and, and Mono Red. So they're like, okay, well, this is how we're going to build this iteration of a control deck. Take that deck to a wider field. It gets even worse, right? So um, as far as Worlds matches goes and, like, interesting things and, like, sweet play, like, yeah, of course it's going to be great to watch those players play against each other, right? Like, there's no question about that. But in terms of, like, a Magic tournament and it's, like, value after the event, it's, like, has almost no significance right in like the the bigger picture which is kind of the, the unfortunate part so like I, I don't know i don't know like how i would run worlds to make it or like mtg champs to make it worth like it's while or like i don't know how to have some like long-standing value like a pro tour but like a pro tour is much more relevant in terms of its metagame defining capabilities than this event i feel does that um, matter well i don't know it's just like <laughs> There's only like so many rounds of like teamer versus teamer, teamer versus mono red, mono red versus blue black, blue black versus the whole tournament is there's only three decks in the whole event, right? So like you just Yeah, watching. but they're playing two formats too, right? Yeah, there's a there's yeah, there's draft thrown in there for sure. I don't but know. I, mean, I just feel like I mean I'm I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here because I actually didn't watch Worlds, but I feel like there's a lot of people that would watch a tournament like this and not have any of the issues that you have because they're not looking at a tournament for future deck advice or for metagame sort of divulging. And also, if you want to see how a metagame shakes out, you don't actually have to watch the tournament, right? You can just go look at results. So I feel like the major reason why people should be watching tournaments, or not should be, that's not fair. I mean, the major reason why I think the majority of people do watch tournaments on Twitch is for the entertainment value. And I think Worlds does provide a pretty good and unique platform, right? Like. You don't often get to see a tournament, or you don't ever get to see a tournament, where arguably the best players in the world all get to play against each other frequently. Like, yes, we get to watch feature matches at GPs and Pro Tours, and we get to watch King of the Hill, that kind of stuff at a Pro Tour, but being able to watch 
you know, 20 different storylines concurrently in one tournament where all of these people are battling against each other is, is really neat, I think. And I, I'm totally fine with it being a one a one of a year, right? It's not if this was a format like four times a year, it'd be horrible because you know not a lot of people get to play competitive magic. But I'm I, I think it's a good idea. It, it, it's fair, I guess. I maybe I would just rather it be like closer to the end of the format. Like if it's just going to be a stale inbred tournament where you're really more interested in who wins than what deck they're playing and kind of like how they played and, and the technical acumen. Like, just put it at the end of the format then. Because, like, then people don't really care about the deck lists and stuff, right? I mean, I would be just as happy if they were cube drafting. So I'm totally with you on that. I mean, like, they can do whatever they want. I just want to watch them play against each other. So, no, that makes sense. It's just so early, right? I felt felt like WotC doing this probably wanted them to define the metagame a little bit. And then you have the PT, like, whatever, four or five weeks from now, and they, like, it's shaken up again. It's, like, just kind of not how... Those twenty-four person events really—that's no. not how they work. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's unrealistic to assume that players are not going to a know what each other are playing and b plan appropriately. Like that's always going to happen in a small tournament. Yeah. It happens at F and M. Like why wouldn't it happen at a tournament with very serious stakes on the line, right? So yeah, it's like you're like, oh, Vince is here. Well, I guess I'm going to play Shatterstorm today because he plays Affinity yeah. every week. <laughs> There's no way that's not going to happen in the world. So yeah. Um, wow, interesting comment in the chat. We got uh, information from Matt Nelson that said Jerry said he would run back Blue Black for Nationals. So I'm going to have to ask Jerry what he thinks about Blue Black as well. Just to see I'd be super different. surprised if he plays it this week. He, I think he went 4-4. <laughs> <So. laughs> I don't know. Ever, ever, he's, been, uh, he's just been cruising along ever since he's been PT champion. Um, that's fair. There's a big difference between like someone who is a platinum level pro deciding to run in a, a a deck in a room full of like not anything level pros and saying like oh I play this deck again right because they just played it against like all platinums and I was like yeah it was fifty fifty against a bunch of platinums I can probably get away like the extra ten to fifteen percent they get against the field it's like it's worth it so if they know what they're doing in every matchup and they feel like their opponents don't then, like, yeah, cool, you know, run it back. But if they're, like, playing in that tournament against the same... I don't think he would run that deck again in the same field against the same people. I, I think that would be... I, I would be very surprised <laughs> if he said that. But uh, I would expect to see Jerry on Teamer. I would be very surprised if he's not playing Teamer this weekend. Completely... Well, not completely unrelated, but somewhat unrelated side note. If these two decks become, like basically the entire format like let's say at least 70 percent of the format is there room for a green black deck at that point like how much of the format has to be mono red and teamer and how much do they have to be like kind of building against each other for some sneaky green black rock deck to become a thing because i feel like there's a lot of pieces there for a good deck yeah or i, I tried I, tr- I tell you i built it i built a few iterations of it and uh, it's just, like, not as good as the two other decks. Like, you, you basically need one E-Constrictor to live. That, that's, like, where um, Green-Black was at its best. And you can't guarantee that when Mono Red's running four Braid, four Lightning Strike in the main. <laughs> yeah, and even, like, the, the Teamer deck has uh, three Harness Lightning. And then they have, the, they have three Flex slots for the other removal. It, like, moves between 
some amount of magma sprays and some amount of abrades, depending on like where they see the metagame that week. And like once that winding constrictor dies, you're just doing a lot of like not so powerful stuff compared to the teamer deck. You're like a really, really bad teamer deck. Your your removal's worse, <laughs> your cards are worse, they synergize less. It's just uh yeah, it gets weird. I was like, man, I feel like this deck should be able to do something. I mean, maybe, yeah, obviously someone much better than me can probably figure out something that's better. Like, i like to see Sam Pardee or someone like that. Yeah. Maybe look at the list and maybe there's something there. Um, like, maybe like, there's a green-black deck that's more mid rangey that goes bigger, that doesn't yep. actually care about Constrictor. Do you yep, know what yep. I mean? That just yep. packs a bunch of, like, reasonable removal and then just goes big. Carnage Tyrants and stuff, yeah. Like, maybe a Vraska. <laughs> No, I didn't try the rest. All right, yeah. well, maybe that's some <laughs> later on chats, but I'm feeling green-black. Don't actually play that. That's not real advice for anyone who actually listens. It's like we've like time-walked a year back. We're just like yep. playing the same Pittsburgh. format with a different, slightly different deck. It's GP Pittsburgh all over again. <laughs> uh... Rob, like besides the competitive value, did you think what was the level of coverage about the same, or were you disappointed or pleased by by certain things that they did for specifically for worlds? Yeah, I think uh, I really liked the kind of like thirty second clips they did of like each player, and they kind of like focus on different things. Um, but I thought like that was interesting. Like there was like some I don't know they're trying to like you know, get you to know the people better, right? Which is, like, something that people always harp upon. Like, they, they don't showcase the player enough. It's always about the game. And, like, I thought those little snippets were, like, useful and interesting, and the way they asked the questions were were uh, were kind of interesting and uh, as well. So they did a good job there. I think adding Paul Chion to, like, the main coverage team is good, because he's charismatic and can do color and um, like, play-by-play well. So it's just like very, it's like a very versatile tool for them to have there, right? Because like if he needs to say like, oh, like whatever, these cards are coming and just like have chats with like someone beside him, he can do that. But also like he knows what's going on, right? He mostly knows what the correct play is in these scenarios and like who's winning and who's losing and, and, and being able to like go deep. So uh, I think that that's, that's a really good addition to the team. And I think that's, as they move forward through this year and next, I think the coverage might actually be in a pretty good spot. So I'm um, excited about that. They did a weird bunch of weird camera things where, like, when they announced top four, you could see the whole top four standing there waiting to get called to the stage. So there's, like, no anticipation at all. You're just like, are those the four guys? Are those the four guys? Because, like, Huey's with them. Are they just standing together? And then they call Huey, and you're like, okay. So those three probably made it then. But I'm not 100 percent sure. And then they call the next guy, and he walks up from the pack. You're like, okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, Javier and Calvin Chu are the other guys. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> uh, but Small dude. Otherwise, yeah, I think it was. I think it was pretty good. They, they have a cast now. It's it's been it's been a while, a long time coming, I guess. But <laughs> there's there's a good crew. I love the narrative that was building when uh, Huey was basically XO and he was way ahead of the field, right? Or there's no chance of anybody catching him. And now, like, he's, he's once again cementing himself as one of the best players in the world. Also, you know, part of the best team trios teams in the world already. If not, if it's not number one, it's number two. Um, 
So that's really cool to see, and uh, great that like great to hear that you enjoyed the coverage, Robin. I expect like you narrowed down to, to those two lists. I expect you know your time is best served just like taking Javier's list and jamming it until something beats you. I just feel like that. You should know how to change a card. Like his list is is tight. <laughs> I mean, like anybody who brings should test against that list and make sure that they can beat it. And you know, if not, I mean, again, just playing an aggro deck, just getting a lot of games in, probably going to be a great choice heading into the weekend. Uh, anything that you noticed from Draft Limited that people were doing differently, maybe valuing cards differently than you that that, or they weren't doing anything special? Yeah, I know. Like, I'm not sure how aggro this is. Uh, but the coverage team was just like going on and on and on about how great red white aggro is and how everyone thinks it's the best deck. And I feel like this is similar to like, oh, you know, when you get a bunch of people together and they just like kind of like this deck has been winning a bunch, and then now everyone just thinks that deck's been winning. So then everyone starts drafting it, and it's like, oh, that's the deck that's winning because we're all trying to win with that deck. So I'm not sure if that's accurate. I don't think red white aggro is. The best archetype. I think it's uh, blue green merfolk, and I don't think that that's particularly close or arguable. I think that when you get the synergies, it's um, just so unstoppable. Like all the cards are just much higher power level than what the other decks are doing. Um, but maybe like the red white aggro deck has like a, a higher floor, where like if it doesn't come together, you're more likely to have a deck that can two one. Whereas like if the merfolk doesn't come together, you're just like. <laughs> Straight SOL. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I've seen that it's very open online. I post a 3-0 list like uh, once or twice a day usually. (laughs) I don't want to call scoreboard or anything, but if we go back to the tape on the First Strike episode when Ixalan just came out and we just sent pre-releases, I said there was two archetypes that I thought were going to be really good and limited. Red, white, and blue, green. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. You had it here first. (laughs) I should clarify, like, I don't think Red White's bad. It's my second favorite archetype yeah. to draft. Um, but Their I, commons I would... are just so deep. Like, there's so many good commons for that deck. And they don't for... need to all be synergistic for... with each other to be functional. For Red White? Yeah. Yeah. There's more chaff, though. I think, like, in, on average, the blue-green cards are better. If they come together. But if you don't have the Merfolk synergy, 80% of your deck is chaff, right? Like... Yeah, but there's just so many Merfolk. I feel like they're just everywhere. <laughs> I don't sure. know why. They just like they're everywhere. It's weird because like, like really when I've been drafting blue-green, I try to take Merfolk first, and then I just end up with a pile of Merfolk that don't actually like care too much about each other, and I don't get like the 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 what's it called the the two mana spell that puts two plus one plus one counters. Yeah, yeah so that. so then I'll. The pendulum will swing the other way, and I'll start taking like one with the winds and the and the travel prep super early, and then not get any merfolk, and my deck's also terrible. So, I mean, I think you need to be right in the middle of that, Vince. Yeah, you, it's a fine <laughs> line because honestly, like if you are in a draft where you're passing the combat tricks that are merfolk favored to someone, and they think that merfolk's open as a result, you both have ruined each other's draft because one person will have one half of the deck. And the other person will have the other half. Whereas with red white, you can just take reasonably powerful red and white cards, and on the aggregate, you will still have a functional deck at the end of the day. Your deck could the 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 top end of your deck is not going to be as high. Like the ceiling isn't as high as blue yes. green, yes. but the floor yes. is significantly higher. 
Yeah. So I'm yeah. kind of I tend to skew towards decks archetypes like that, where I know that if someone is screwing me at a table, I still have a deck. But it is very fun when the Merfolk deck works. That's for sure. Signals are usually clear in this format, though. I find like you can know what the open uh, what is it tribe or whatever yeah. is like. I pick five. You're like, oh, there's like a boon and uh, whatever the two and a two two that gets plus one plus one when it's blocked in the same pack. It's like yeah, okay, well these guys are like both very good. Um, you like know where you want to be, or like if you see like a fifth or sixth pick deacon or something, right? It's like okay, this is like a very high pick in the vampires deck. So if you're like leaning that way, you can usually just like kind of cement your stance at at some point. Dinosaurs yeah. are a little less defined since like some of them are just like generally good for the most part. But I think it's important that you mention the commons and not the uncommons because I think what I've seen a lot of people do is go, oh, I saw pick four shapers of nature, Merfolk has to be open. And what happens is a lot of people will not all in on their first pick into Merfolk and they'll take, like, a blue or green good card or anything and then find out Merfolk's open and start drafting Merfolk and you just get screwed. So don't look at, like, seeing, you know, Call of the Feast or some random multicolored card and be like, oh yeah, my deck has to be open. The multicolored card is here. If you get it six, though... Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're seeing it pretty late, then you, you can feel kind of comfortable. At least the person is opposite you if, if they're in Merfolk, rather than beside you at that right, point. Right, right. Which is fine. Yeah, you, ideally, I mean, the, obviously this is the pipe dream, but you're the person that opens it and wheels it. That That's, that's where you want to be when you're drafting those archetypes. The literal dream. Yeah. <laughs> With the the red white card, it's it, I've I've seen that happen a few times, like or actually a reasonable amount of time. The the yeah. Merfolk one's pretty good, so that one probably not. But the two two flying menace is definitely one you can hope to wheel. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, what happened to uh, putting just pants on a guy and, and going nuts? What happened to that strategy? That's the Merfolk deck. Merfolk deck gets to do that. I really, almost any deck gets to do that. <laughs> so any deck that I have that has islands in it, I'm fine playing one to two one with the winds. And any deck that has swamps in it, I'm fine playing almost any number of Mark the Vampires. Um, I'm at a point in this draft format where, like, I will take good creatures that fill out my curve over most removal spells. And I've taken, like, Mark of the Vampire over contract killing, given the composition of my deck before. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of because all the removal is expensive and weird. Like, yeah, unsummon needed to cost one in this format. And it costs three. Yeah, anytime I have Jade Guardian, I don't care about anything else. I'm just (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so I still pants it up. Like, Jade Guardian on four, and then one with the Winding Him, to have a 5-5 five, five Hexproof Flyer on turn 5 is just, like, almost always game. And if you're, like, lucky enough that you aren't, like, super merfolk, you're kind of more like this Salt-Eye Hexproof Auras deck where you get to, like, play marks for free off of your treasures and, like, some other fixing lands and stuff. It's just, like, it, it gets really out of hand and out, out of reach for your opponent when that guy becomes a 7-7 seven, seven Lifelink Hexproof Flyer. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I don't know, like... 
How do you beat it? There's just no way to beat it. I was going to say, one of the best counters to one with the wind on the Jade Guardian is Mark of the Vampire on Jade Guardian. That actually wins the mirror, surprisingly. I think Vince is the only person that's lost when he's had uh, expert creatures like going in for the kill, yeah. uh, flying and lifelink and unblockable or whatever. He actually got, uh, I don't even know what the card's called. Settle the Wreckage. Settle the Wreckage, yeah. Settle the Wreckage targets the player and then just exiles all the attack creatures. So he like sends me a screenshot where it's basically like, he's attacking for the win. I was like, oh, snap, GG's. And then the next screenshot is him getting blown out. <laughs> Didn't feel great. I might have taken a break after that draft. Settle the Wreckage is uh, it's a good one. It's a good one to have. <laughs> yep. It definitely beats the Rob Lombardi strategy of Build-A-Bear. Uh, so Rob, Rob, you said getting more folks are important, but how, how important is it if you're, if you're going down this one with the wind jam route? How important is what? Is like, like you're saying you hope that the merfolks in the blue-green deck go together, but if you're just putting pants on a dude, do like the dudes really matter? Yeah, so that's how I've kind of been drafting that deck, is that I would prefer to be in the merfolk route, because River Herald's Boon is basically like one with the wind with, uh, with Slash. Uh, and you can separate over two creatures if you want to. <laughs> And then you get, you get a bunch of other merfolk synergies that are sweet. But when it doesn't pan out, like, yeah, you can backdoor into, like, a one with the wind, dive down, plus Jade Guardian deck, which is also, like, very difficult to beat. So you can basically take, like, any two or three power creature and put one with the wind on it. And if it's Jade Guardian, then you win. And if it's not, you just need to have dive down in your hand, and then you also just win. I mean, the the nice part is, too, is that most of, like, if you're drafting the, quote, one-on-one one with the wind deck, most of the good creatures you want to be putting it on just happen to be Merfolk anyway. So you're yeah. probably just going to end up drafting Merfolk regardless. Like, you want to be putting it on things like Deep Root Warrior, Jade Guardian, because they're just the right creatures to put this enchantment on. So it just ends up being Merfolk regardless. You, you also get a lot of ways with that deck to, like, just close the game out if, like, your opponent happened to have two premium removal spells for your guy. Like, you were able to, like, dive down, blocking, like, a fire cannon blast or something the first one, but then he had, like, a Skyweather shot or whatever it's called now. Um, for the second one, Skymark's Judgment or something like that. Um, Sky Legion's you, Judgment. That's the yeah, one. Sky Legion's Judgment. You get, like, a 3-2 unblockable. There's, like, a 1-1 unblockable. You have, like, a 2-minute two 2-1 two flyer. There's, like, a the uh, Flying Seasnid. Uh, what is it, like, 5-minute 3-3 flash. Um, there's Tempest Caller that can tap your opponent's team down. There's just, like, a lot of ways to, like, get that, you know, usually that last, like, 8, 5 to 8 points of damage in that's, like, left if they deal with your, like, uh, first dragon. If you're, like, you know, playing fast and loose and not drawing out all the removal first. <laughs> or maybe you're in, a, you're in a position where you're pressured to, like, race them early with your auras instead of building out your board presence first, getting them to 10, and then just, like, two-shotting them with a Jade Guardian, which is kind of, like, usually how the games play out for me. People hate blocking in this format because blocking is terrible, because that's how Watsi's designed magic now in Limited. So if you're blocking, you're dead. So... <laughs> Draft a deck that doesn't need to block. Uh, that's my advice, I guess. I feel like it's been that way for a while now. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like... I mean, it was kind of like that before Vehicles, but I feel like Vehicles made it super pronounced. Like, Renegade Freighter was just, like, the pinnacle of that. Where it was like, <laughs> you play anything on turn two, 
and they play a freighter on turn three, and you're like, okay, so what? You're going to untap and attack me for five, and you have four mana? It's like, what do I do? Double block this stupid 5-4 trample? And I'm just like, dead. If you have literal any card in your hand, that you can just literal die. So you're like, okay, whatever, I'll attack for two. I'm like, yeah. Okay, well, I'll attack for five. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think a corollary of that, too, for limited is that being on the play has become so much more valuable than it used to be. Just yeah. because games are no longer attrition-based, right? Like, it's just tempo, I attack you, I kill you, I try to kill you on turn six. And before, it was more like, we'll trade removal spells on creatures, and you know I'll try to divinate a few times or get a few two-for-ones, and eventually I'll get ahead, but... That's not the that's not the case anymore, right? So, I don't really like that because die rolls become more valuable than they used to. But it seems to be the direction Watsi is going with their limited environments. Yeah, bring back the bolt. Bring it back. Seriously. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's so long episode. Uh, thanks again to Kelly for uh, coming on. And- telling us and answering some of Rob's questions about Nationals. Rob, do you want to mention your mocks or anything else? Uh, yeah, so the sealed format sucks, but I was blessed with a pretty good deck in the mocks monthly this, this time around, and uh, I had a pretty good like green-red Dinos deck that kind of self-built itself. Self, Yeah, self-built itself. Sure, I'll go with that one. Anyways, um, the deck was good enough for a 6-2 finish, so I mined some mocks points there. Um, and, and some packs, so that that was good. Not as good as the last month where I, I went seven one with uh, that five color tribal death shadow modern monstrosity. Um, but yeah, the format also just the seal format just felt so bad. My opponent's decks were either like terrible and I just rolled them because my deck like had synergy, or their deck had more synergy than me. Even I tweeted out a picture of a guy that had like three sun callers and then like every rare dino that you ever want <laughs> it's just like a huge board although okay well i don't feel like i can win this match <laughs> and he promptly crushed me in game three but i don't mean to scoreboard again but i do recall the first strike episode with doug potter where we talked about this and i said the best sealed decks are the ones that have the most synergy and it just feels like you can't win when your deck yeah, has yeah. less synergy and Doug was adamant that I was wrong. But no, no. I am steadfast. That's exactly what the sealed format is. is did tribal I open enough of one tribe? Yeah, tribal sets are going to be like that. And it's un- it's unfortunate. Like, the master sets are like that, too. If you don't get... <laughs> Your color pairs can be strong. Like, oh, I have lots of black and lots of red cards. But <laughs> my black cards are split between, like, this strategy and that strategy. And my red cards are split between, you know, three other strategies. It's like, oh, this deck doesn't really do... <laughs> Anything, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. We've talked about this before, but changelings are the solution. They need to have changelings in every tribal set. We can talk about yeah. that more in another podcast, though. It can be true. It can be true. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with changelings coming back. Word. Uh, anything uh, you want to wrap things up with, uh, Vince? I mean, other than the fact that the Leafs won, which I'm pretty thrilled about. <laughs> I was th- thumbs down on one Forsberg. Anti shout out. Yeah. <laughs> Matthews oh at the OT. God. Anyway, 3 0, baby. Um, no, this was a fun one. I think uh, Kelly was a great guest. Uh, head out to Nats. Like, Nats is going to be sick. Like, I, 
even as someone who's on the fence about going to Nats, I might find a way to make more time to spend more time at Nats now. So go to Nats. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and I think it's going to be good. Go to your, your Nats. It'll be sweet, too. Not as good as ours, but yeah. it'll still be fun. Don't come here. Don't come here. Go to your own Nats, please. <laughs> oh, and Kelly was saying it's going to be like five to 600 people. I'm pretty sure it'll cap. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't well. think, yeah, so pretty rich for sure. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Should be um, good. Just want to shout out to our first strike producers. We got a new one. I, I didn't realize that cap the amount of producers. Um, and then someone said, hey, I just want to give you extra thanks uh, <laughs> to uh, J. Thomas Eaton, uh, newest uh, first strike producer. Oh, Vince, Vince is cracking me up there. Uh, shout out to Jonathan Good, Cal Smirchik, Derek Pite, uh, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Murchison, Isaiah Carrero, and all the unknown producers as well. Vince is really distracting. I can't fucking. And uh, all the new First Strike Nation members that join uh, who are supporting the show, again, just want to reiterate that a lot of it is is to pour into the, the server costs and everything. And as an extra bonus, you get. Uh, to be in the First Strike Nation where uh, Rob, Vince, and, and Brian have been pouring their hearts out, uh, putting in the content. And of course, my team as well, like making sure that we have sideboard guides for some of the more important decks. Uh, we have a lot of sideboard guides for Modern, and we're going to come up with all of them by possibly this Friday for, for a lot of the important standard decks as well. So lots of effort are, are put into these sideboard guides and into... Uh, like Rob, Vince, and and Brian again, and Doug. Lots of time are, are giving people feedback in the nation, so um, we're trying to make sure people are getting their value beyond supporting the cast. So to join, just go to patreon.com slash first strike, and um, there's rumor that, uh, I mean, I think by the end of this month, we might have a first sign of uh, some first strike merch there, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, and we have a sweet logo. We have a sweet logo now. So it'll look yeah. sick. Vince, Vince, is this original or, or can we get sued for this logo? <laughs> this is original. I made this. <laughs> this is I this is a I mean I didn't create the font, but I manipulated the font, so I think we're safe. I yeah, have no, it's spent for a lot of hours to come to this result. Rob is going to take credit for me creating a logo. It's basically what's happening right now. It's a lot of hard work convincing him to continue down the path. Unbelievable. <laughs> that night was crazy. That night was crazy. One oh. quick note about the, the Facebook group. Uh, I do have a deck list that I don't hate that if it ends up being not garbage, I'll play at Nats. And so if you're interested in finding out what that looks like and watching the iterations through this week as I continue to jam leagues and either just roll back to Mono Red or <laughs> continue to that that I'm on, I would, I would join the group for that. It should be uh, good, especially if you're looking for something that is not one of the three decks that were featured at Worlds. Um, this is Can definitely... it be Mono Red? Yeah, I, I, I crushed what? Mono Red three times today. What? Yeah, it was just it was a manhandling. Okay, right, one, one final plug for the Facebook group that I feel like we didn't mention too. Everything's live. Like, you can post a question and we'll answer it in an hour consistently. I don't think anyone's posted a question and not had it answered at least with like usually within five minutes. So it's it's not just like here's a bunch of content we're throwing at you. You become a part of a community of people that 
all communicate with each other and network, and it's just a good group to be a part of. I found lately that the group is like large enough now that someone will ask a question or like want to discuss something, and before I even get in there to put my two cents in the mix, there's already like twenty comments going yeah, back and forth. It's tough. So I'm trying to keep up, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's like, it's I, fun. I gotta digest all this stuff first because they might be way past where I was gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> it's good though. It's Definitely good. an active community for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all righty, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week, and I'll see some of you at Nats. I'll be there um, doing video and and posting, doing social media posts for uh, to promote nationals. So. Hope to see you guys out here. And uh, for Rob, Vince, and uh, Paw Patrol, this is KYT First Strike. Bye, guys.